Welcome to In Your Area. On today's episode, we welcome Diana Burwell, partner at Seguro LLP, and Karen Salmon, broker owner at Remax Prime Real Estate. Diana and Karen chat through the occasions in which GST does and does not apply in real estate transactions, breaking it down to a few simple questions a realtor can ask when the GST question arises. They discuss GST as it pertains to new home sales, rural land, and rentals. They also discuss what constitutes a commercial property and when best to reach out to an accountant or lawyer regarding GST in real estate transactions. We hope you enjoy. Hello, my name is Karen Salmon. I've been practicing real estate for over 15 years in the Calgary area. And taxation is one of those things that we really don't get too involved with in our day-to-day practice. But there's times that things come up, especially with GST, that we need to advise our clients and send them in a certain direction. So today we're interviewing Diana. She's an accountant with a small firm here in Calgary. And Diana, maybe I'll just have you introduce yourself. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, So I am a partner in a small firm here in Calgary, Seguro LLP, and I deal with lots of these questions for my clients on a daily basis sometimes. So a little bit about myself, I have got my designation back in 2010, been practicing since then, so over 12 years. Great. Well, thankfully, we're in Alberta and we only have to deal with GST, so we're not going to address anything regarding PST or HST across the rest of Canada. There's really two main areas where GST is applicable. Uh, New home sales and then rural and land purchases. And then, of course, there's always that gray area of rentals. So let's talk about new homes because most of the time, I know myself, I never know the real price of a property until I get that piece of paper, that purchase contract from the builder with it all broken down, and it never seems to be a perfect 5%. What can you tell us about GST and new home builds? For the GST new home, there's a new housing rebate that buyers can get there's two main things you need to know it has to be a primary residence so if you're purchasing it for a rental property it does not qualify the other thing is the purchase price has to be four hundred fifty thousand or under so anything over four hundred fifty you get nothing so if it's four hundred fifty one thousand you don't even get you know the rebate on the four fifty you get nothing Um, and the rebate is calculated prior to tax being added. So how it all works is there's a special form that gets filled out um, and is submitted to CRA called the GST 190 form. It's either done by the builder or the buyer. So generally what we see happen is the builder will actually fill it out for the buyer. They will send it into CRA, collect the rebate, and they'll give the rebate on the purchase price. So sometimes they know it beforehand. It's basically how you calculate the rebate. It's 36% of the GST up to a max of $6,000. So they'll know what the rebate's going to be. So they'll build it into the purchase price. And then that's how the buyer is getting the benefit of it. Otherwise, the buyer can go through the process of filling it out and getting it sent back to them. But that can be timely. It can take up to six months to get the money back. And I think in most of the most of the contracts for the new home builders, they've, they've got a special section for that. I mean, our, I know our forms don't address that at all. Yeah, so the, it's probably just a good idea to stick with the paperwork that the builder provides you because that's all taken care of. And then when the buyer sits down with the builder and signs those 27 different forms, it'll be hidden in there somewhere, I'm guessing. Yeah, for sure. And as a, the buyer, I would even ask the builder for it. They can clearly tell you what it is and how to figure out the amount. So I would definitely have that conversation with the builder. So I know in a lot of listings, especially for new homes, there'll be something in private remarks saying GST rebate back to the builder. Is that fairly standard? Is that just the easiest way to deal with things? And if they don't say that, do we assume we've got paperwork or how do we handle that? 
Yeah, exactly. So the GST rebate going back to the builder is because the builder is giving the buyer the benefit of the rebate in the purchase. So then they're able to collect it back from CRA rather than now the buyer being able to go back again and get double up on the rebate. Um, So you don't have to worry about it. If it's not in there, then it may mean the individual, the buyer has to actually go and fill out the forms themselves to get the rebate back. Or maybe if the, I guess if the property's over 450,000, there's no rebate, so we don't even need to worry about it. Exactly. If it's over okay, 450, you get no rebate. Yeah, so now you'd mentioned um, as far as rentals. So can we, is it safe to assume that the purchase price of a property, if you're going to be using it as a rental, is going to be higher because you won't get that rebate? No. So the purchase price is the purchase price. So okay. whatever the purchase price of the new home is, that is the purchase price. So it has nothing to do with whether it's a rental property or not. The rebate then comes off of that. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, that's, that's fairly straightforward. Rural properties. These are the bane of my existence. Um, every single property is different. And even though I've got my little GST cheat sheet, everything, it's just, it's not very clear. <laughs> So raw land. I mean, the first time a piece of land is sold, there's usually GST applicable. I've sold pieces of raw land where there's GST applicable again and again and again. What's the rule and how do we, how do we advise our clients? Okay, so there is kind of two different areas here. So some examples of when it will not be applicable is if the land is purchased by an individual and it's kept for personal use. So they're not doing any commercial activity on it, any business activity on it, just personal use. When they go to sell it, no GST. The second is um, they have the ability to parcel out the land. So the individual, if they parcel it out to two in two parts, no GST applicable. Anything over two parts, GST becomes applicable. Further to that is if the individual is selling to a relative, so dad has land, is subdividing land, He subdivides it into, say, four parts. Two parts are going to children and two parts are going to developers. The two parts going to developers have to have GST. The two parts going to the children are GST exempt. Another one is the sale of the land in the course of a business and the sale of the land of more than two parcels. And so generally, if it's a corp selling the land, chances are GST is applicable. I had one of those. Yeah. That makes sense. Now that makes sense. Okay. So that's basically the, so the owner doesn't really make a difference. It's all kind of in the use of the land. And so who keeps track of all this? Is it the lawyer or is it, do they have to get a separate accountant in? No, the lawyer should have all this information when they're actually going to finalize the deal. The individual themselves may be aware of it as well. But yeah, generally the lawyer, they could ask their accountant as well, but they don't necessarily have to have an accountant involved. Now, what if, what if the person's buying the raw land and they have a GST number? That doesn't Does matter. It it, okay. No, it's Good all in who's selling the land okay. and what the, the land was used for when it was being sold. Yeah. So just having a GST number doesn't mean that all of a sudden now you have to pay GST on the land. Okay. That makes sense. Now let's make it really complicated and throw a house on there and we've got a 12 acre parcel and it's not just a house on three or five acres. We've got more extra land. How do we determine GST on that? So when you're talking about an acreage, which is personal use, or a hobby farm, which is personal use as well, uh, there is no GST on that. It doesn't matter on the size of the land. As long as the land is not being used for business purposes, you're okay. Now, if you're selling the land and you had it for personal business and, you know, the person that's buying it is going to use it for business purposes, still doesn't matter. It's going to matter when they go to turn around and sell the land. Then they're going to have to charge GST on the sale of the land. 
So does it have to be a certain size of business if you've got like if you've got a few beehives in the corner and you're selling a little bit of honey up, you know, at the corner? Yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Usually if it's commer- it's considered commercial activity, business okay. activity, you're probably going to have to charge GST on it. Okay. Um, there may be a little gray area if it's something where you're earning no income or very minimal income, but generally it says that if you're earning any sort of profit on the land, you have to charge GST when you go and sell it. So we've assumed, assume we've got a parcel of land, there is some business income. How do we determine how much of that land is account or attestable to the business? It would generally be the part, the parcel of land, like the whole parcel of land. The farmhouse, like if you have a farmhouse on the land, that could be scoped out as residential property. So that you wouldn't have to charge a GST on. So the lawyers will have to determine what how the land gets divided, and how the GST gets charged on it. And then, so how much, How do they determine how much the land is worth in order to, ca- to calculate the GST? Like, did they just go, because I know there's, there's prices for, for just agricultural land that's fairly minimal. So it would really probably be the price of the land, like whatever the, own, the seller is looking to get for the land would be now the value of the land, mm-hmm. right? So then that's where the GST would be applicable is on the actual purchase price. Good to know. Yeah, it gets pretty complicated. Do like what's the best what advice should we give our clients? Should we just tell them go talk to your lawyer, go talk to an accountant? And then at what point do you phone the GST people and ask for a GST ruling? Yeah, so I would first tell them to talk to the lawyer if they've already got the lawyer involved um, and then go to their accountant. The, between the two of them, they can sort out exactly what has to happen with the GST. In some cases, it could be a situation where the seller has to charge GST and the buyer is not a GST registrant. Now, if the buyer is going to be using that farmland, for example, when GST is applicable and they're going to continue on the farming business, they probably want to get a GST reg- become a GST registrant because then it's a pass-through. Right. So then they don't have to pay the GST and then not be able to get a deduction for it either. Right. Now, what happens, I mean, we all assume that the lawyer is going to do the right thing and submit the GST. How do we know that that's been done? Is there any other paperwork that the buyer needs to do to make sure, like, could the CRA come back and say, hey, you didn't pay GST on this? And the buyer's going, well, yes, I did. Like, how do that, how do you, how does the buyer protect themselves? The buyer doesn't really have to be too concerned in this case. So if it is, if the, as long as the buyer is on a GST registrant, if the seller is a GST registrant and they have to be charging GST on the sale of the land, it's up to them to remit it to CRA. So CRA would actually go back to them. If they didn't charge GST and they were supposed to, they have to eat the cost. We have seen it in some circumstances where they'll try to go back to the buyer and say, hey, I didn't charge you GST. Will you cover this? There's a chance unless the, the buyer is a GST registrant, you're not, they're not going yeah. to want to, right? Because they purchased the price saying, you know, this is what the purchase price was. This is what I purchased. In the case where the buyer is a GST registrant and the seller is also selling it with GST, then the buyer actually has to self-remit and self-assess. So in that case, no cash actually changes hands, but they would put it on their own tax return. So that's the only time when the buyer is kind of responsible. But again, it's a wash. So no money has really changed hands. Now, as far as choosing an accountant, is this something that most accountants know and understand or... Is it advisable to find an accountant that's familiar with this kind of sale? Definitely, if you're dealing with farmland and farm sales, you probably want to find an accountant that has a background in that. But generally, any accountant can find this information out and can get this information, as well as lawyers. The real estate lawyer should have a found, 
good foundation on this. Um, or if you know a tax lawyer, you could go to a tax lawyer. But and you can also look it up on CRA's website. You can call CRA. You can get a GST ruling as well on it. Um, generally, we don't get a GST ruling unless it's something really particular. You're getting mis- mixed answers from CRA. No, it does. It, that definitely makes it does make more sense. At least it, it's making more sense in my mind. And just understanding that if there's a commercial component, there's going to be GST. And I think that really clears the waters. That's, you know, we start asking more questions. If it's just somebody on sitting there on 15 acres and they've just enjoyed their land, sounds like it's probably not an issue. Yeah, exactly. And another area where it wouldn't be an issue when you're talking families. So you have dad, that's the farmer, and he wants to sell the property, the farm to the kids. And one of the kids doesn't want, they just want to use it for personal use. They actually get scoped out of having to charge GST as long as they're going to use it for personal use. If they're actually going to use it and continue the farm, they have to pay GST as well. But yeah, relatives is the only one that it can get scoped out. But same thing, if you have a buyer that's going to purchase farmland but has no intent of continuing on the farming business, then they have they have to pay GST, unfortunately, because the seller has to charge it. Yeah, that makes no, that makes sense. What about rental properties? Completely changing things up here. You buy a property, it was a rental, then you turn around and sell it. Do you charge GST? Traditional rental properties, no. So anything where it's long-term residential property, long-term meaning 30 days or more, it's not GST applicable. When you get to Airbnbs and short-term rentals, it's changing everything now. So it's considered commercial activity. And if you're using it exclusively for an Airbnb, there's a good chance you're going to have to be charging GST on the sale of that property. Um, And likewise, if you get into the actual rent on it as well, Mm -hmm. technically it's GST applicable, but if you're not doing more than $30,000 a year in revenue, you don't need to become a GST registrant. But if you are, then you have to make sure you're registering for GST and you're charging GST to these people. And and one thing to note, Airbnb doesn't handle that. So you have Mm -hmm. to kind of bump up your price to then scale back the GST GST on it. Yeah. Well, and let's hope that a a short-term... Airbnb is making more than $30,000 a year. It might not be worth the effort. Uh, what? Um, so I don't think we've actually seen any. When I think about it, I can't think of any properties that I've seen listed that were were, were being used as an Airbnb that we, we've even had to come up with that yet. We've even had to deal with that yet. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting as people go, huh, Airbnbs maybe aren't as profitable as I thought. I want to get rid of it. Yeah, exactly. And it's one thing actually that CRA is targeting now. They've actually gotten um, authorization too to be able to access the Airbnb software and database whenever they want. So we haven't seen it too much now, but we think it's coming in the next couple of years where they're really going to start to hit this home because a lot of people aren't claiming it and they're not charging GST and they're turning around and selling the property no different than a rental. Yeah. Not charging GST on it. So we think it's an area that CRA is definitely going to start to crack down on. But we haven't seen it yet. Um, so something to yeah, advise your clients, for sure, if they're selling a property like this, we need to look into it to make sure. Because if we need to be charging GST, you want to. Yeah, that's going to be Because, again, it'll come back to the seller. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yikes. No, well, this, is, this has been really, really good. And I know we're never going to be experts on this. Is there anything else, any other advice you, that we should be giving our clients? I think a lot of it's just understanding if it's anything to do with a commercial or business, probably a good chance GST is going to be applicable. If it's personal use, individual, probably not. You yourselves, I would probably be aware that GST exists. It is applicable in certain circumstances. Recommend they go see an accountant or a lawyer and get the rulings from them and more information from them. No, that sounds that sounds good. Thank you. No problem. It's great to chat.
Thank you to Karen and Diana. We look forward to seeing you the next time we are in your area.